passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site. A-E-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. It's John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. Hi, Wei. Hi, John. I would ask how you're doing, but I know I spoiled the it. I spoiled it. I know the answer will not be good. Care to update people who might not have heard our Wrestle Kingdom review how exactly your day has been? Uh, I, was, I was feeling sick uh, this morning for our Wrestle Kingdom review. I feel sicker now. Ooh. Okay, but you that's have you have taken a test. I did okay. take a test. I was negative this morning, so that's that's a good sign. Um, okay. I'm out of rapid tests, so I would have to acquire another one before I uh, have to get checked again. But um, this is where we're at. I got a T. My throat's a little, uh, it's bothersome. I'm a bit tired. I will say, when I sat down to watch Dynamite, I was so tired, dude. And then... By about 10 minutes into that title match, I was pretty wide awake. Um, that <laughs> match woke me up significantly. Um, I don't know if there was any other match that was going to pull me out because, dude, I was like like nodding as the show was starting. I was just – I cannot believe I'm going to sit down for two hours here. I'm so tired. I mean, great it, wrestling can change a whole lot, I suppose. This is throwing but... a monkey wrench into my whole 5 a.m. plan because I've been up since 5, and I I, I forgot about the fact that, oh, yeah. It's... <laughs> I think it's a terrible plan. <laughs> it's, it's not a great plan. It, yeah. was, it was a great plan at 6 in the morning. I was getting so much work done, but there's no intermission there. It's like I've been up since 5 a.m., and it is now uh, 10 p.m. Yeah, so so people who haven't been listening to our Wrestling Kingdom reviews on Patreon, I mean, John John has... He's been struggling to try to find the right balance between uh, waking up early enough to watch these Japanese time zone shows while also uh, managing a a one-year-old who loves to wake up at random times in the evening. And so John's uh, um, solution was to wake up at 5 a.m. But, right? but in fairness, I went to sleep last night because I was, I was already feeling sick. I went to sleep at like before 10 o'clock. So it's not mm. like I went to sleep late. I usually go to bed around like 1. So I got I got a good seven, seven and a half hours of sleep. Right. But as a result, you woke up at 5 a.m. today and tonight you have to do a podcast um, until midnight at least. So that's quite that's quite the, the many hours. And, and I because of, of the nature of these podcasts that we do right after these these nightly uh, shows three times a week. I don't know how your 5 a.m. wake up is going to work out. Well, you know what way I. I'm doing this for uh, 
the the gentleman that that took time out during our uh, our Christmas vacation to email me to explain how unprofessional it was that we didn't get substitutes for rewind to raw. Oh, pl- pl- <laughs> okay, awesome. I um, repl- I replied to this guy <laughs> and just let it rip, dude. I was just I was so infuriated by this went into my junk mail first of all, and I like checked it. I was mad that I had checked my junk mail and found this, and I was a lot of times because it is it's a junk um, yeah. thought. Oh, but, I was just it was like three paragraphs worth. I would expect that that level of uh outrage from for a, a dynamite viewer but but uh i didn't even know people still cared to that level for our raw reviews yeah but okay he, he said if i if i want to keep up with the best in the industry i shouldn't be uh i shouldn't be slacking are you kidding me dude oh yeah yeah it was like can the you gall pull, of it can you pull this up no you know what let's not let's let's be positive i, I don't oh. i don't want to give give air to this my response was really oh. good though i really like it, it wasn't like like i i thought i was very um I was. I don't think I came off. I definitely came off like an asshole coming back. Hey, everybody, but a justified, justified one. Well, that fan's going to be ecstatic because we're going to take two weeks off after this. Well, I, I, I encouraged him to never listen to us ever again. That was my request. So he's going to listen. He, he's going to listen. He never he's responded. Definitely, he's definitely going to listen to this. He's going to listen every week. Of course, he's. He probably loves us. He probably listens to every last show of ours. So, if you're listening, I wish you would delete this and go listen to another show. Uh, but this is what we're here for, way second show. Bottom of the, day. of the barrel in the industry. I mean, whatever. Yeah, maybe we'll even cut this off short. Maybe we'll just, you know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. What's coming up this week, way on the site? Well, uh, as I mentioned, we devoted uh, <laughs> much of John's uh, lack of sleep to watching and reviewing the past two nights of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom. Those are uh, post shows that are exclusive on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Two of three bonus post shows that are out this week covering the first two nights of Wrestle Kingdom. So you can get all of our thoughts quickly, John. Um, what do you think of uh, both nights, if you want to sum it up in two sentences? One sentence per night. Uh, excellent, excellent main events on both nights. Shibata was an all-time memorable return. Two sentences, sure. Yeah. <laughs> How about this one? Added on sentence. I really enjoyed Tanahashi and Kenta, and Wei really did not enjoy Tanahashi versus Kenta. That's a great sec- second sentence. Yeah, it was very interesting and hearing our thoughts. Wei and I had the most Canadian argument on on today's show, where <laughs> it was like, even when we we, you know, it was funny because in Karen's report, she she noted for Kenta and Hiroshi Tanahashi highly recommended. And I replied to her, I said, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed the match. So did I. And she responded and said, well, it wasn't really my cup of tea. Okay. I was like, well, this so- is my cup of tea. <laughs> and that match was. So I, I really don't know what the response is. It seems that I'm probably um, I think one you're of in the majority. that enjoyed this. Am no, I in the majority? I feel like it. I mean, I, I definitely wanted to do some Googling afterwards about people's opinions on that particular match. Because we were so divided, and because okay, I, had, I've seen, I've seen nothing, so I don't know what the large sentiment is of the match. I get the sense people enjoyed it. I mean, um, I get the sense people were critical, maybe of the first half, but they loved the second. I hated the whole thing. Um, John, John liked it. So if you watch it, let us know, and yeah, maybe listen to the, to that particular conversation. So that's out right now in the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, we've got, of course, up next, who uh, did a review of New Year's Evil, a big show from NXT last night. So I encourage everybody to check that out. Yeah, if we have time, we'll uh, we'll share some thoughts on the Daily Show tomorrow. 
Sure. Yeah. And on that note, the daily shows return tomorrow, one o'clock on youtube.com slash post wrestling and all the Patreon patrons will get that in audio form right afterwards. And then Friday, best of our best of 2021 show with me, John and the BDE talking about our favorite things of the past year. You might even see some appearances from uh, some of the people we'll talk about on this particular show. Uh, we've got our, the return of our wine of SmackDown professionals. We are uh, bringing the show back for one week only. And then we'll be talking about Rampage. And then me and uh, um, uh, Kate will be, talking about, will be talking about Battle of the Belts on Saturday. Tentatively, we're going to have WH and Mike cover that the That is U- the team, yes. The, it's going to be WH Park and Mike Murray during, doing the uh, Noah versus New Japan card. Uh, so I will not be on that show, but the two of them will have a review up uh, sometime Saturday afternoon, early evening. And that'll be the third Patreon bonus show that we'll have up in the Pro Wrestling Cafe. Sunday... We've got the, you think we're done on Saturday, everybody? We're like, that's just a halfway point, okay? Because on Sunday morning, we have the newbie and wrestling advocates. And boy, what a week for them to drop a new show. There's going to be a lot to talk about from those guys. Uh, Braden, sorry, Davey and Sino. Is that right? They're going to be uh, Saturday night. They're doing the hard to kill show now. Okay, Saturday night, they're going to cover impact. So that'll be out on the feed as well. And then of course we got WrestleNomics to wrap up the week on Sunday evening as well. So it's a very busy week here across all the post wrestling shows. Yes. So all of that is coming your way. Check it out at postwrestling.com. Listen to every last second and get back to us. We crave your listenership. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, you might even get a response from John. If you're, if you're polite, I'll give you a response, but it turns out if if you're a jerk, I might respond as well, depending in the on the mood that I, that I'm in. And I was in I, I was in a mood when I got that message. Um, we're gonna chat uh, just briefly uh, about the cuts today. The latest round of cuts; these were primarily affecting the uh, the the NXT side of things in WWE. And this uh, reporting come coming courtesy of Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful, as well as Mike Johnson at PWInsider.com. And the names that are out. Uh, that were released. Some big ones here. William Regal, who has been with the company for almost 22 years in a whole variety of roles, uh, not the least of which was as, as someone that was out there recruiting talent and, and a huge reason of you know um, acquiring the independent talent and building that black and gold uh, brand. Uh, lots you can say about William Regal. Uh, Road Dog, Brian James, uh, Ace Steel, who was serving as a coach. Uh, Dave Kapoor, who was uh, an SVP on in WWE and transitioned over to NXT. He had been with the company since 2007, starting off on the writing staff. Uh, Scott Armstrong, the brother of Brian uh, Road Dog. Uh, Allison Danger, who was a coach as well, and Man, there is just a heartbreaking thread that Lenny Leonard wrote about a story that I'm sure there's plenty of people that have been cut that have stories that are similar. But Allison Danger, uh, Kathy Carino, had moved to Orlando uh, with her child and over the break um, had gotten COVID. It affected her Christmas. And today was like her her daughter's first day of school at her new school and gets the news that she has been let go. And this is someone that uprooted their life to move to Orlando. It's like there's probably so many of these stories. And it's just it's heartbreaking to hear about them. Uh, Ryan Katz, as well as uh, 
Hideki Suzuki, who had been uh, part of Diamond Mind, Timothy Thatcher, and Danny Birch, who we had not seen on television for a, a long time. And then on top of that, there was uh, Sarah Cummins that Mike Johnson had reported. She had been serving as the Senior Vice President of Consumer Products. And George Carroll, who was uh, had just come on board in NXT as both a producer and a writer. He had shown up on screen a couple of times. He was in a vignette with the uh, Grizzled Young Vets and had kind of been seen as like an extra, but was uh, doing producing and writing there. He had just been there since June, uh, also part of the cuts. And these are ones way that I think when you look at it, especially when you see, you know, Regal and Road Dog, which are going to be the big ones that I think are going to top the list. It really feels like... Uh, a lot of like the heart and soul of this NXT brand just being torn out. And someone like Regal that I don't know after the last two years that you look at anyone as being untouchable. Uh, I, I don't think you really can. Um, I wouldn't say that, but at a time you would have assumed a William Regal. God, there's just so many different roles uh, to have for an individual like that. Um, an incredible story of if you have, uh, followed like his his personal tribulations that he had and how he turned his life around. I mean, it was uh, a real feel good story about this guy that was you know a huge part, uh, a huge huge part of their developmental program over the last decade uh, being let go. Absolutely, yeah. Um, somebody who I think has had uh, just a, an incredible latter portion of his career. Um, talk about like a change in reputation, you know from where maybe the man was at in his darkest times to where he is now being universally respected behind the scenes and in front of the scenes as, a, as an on-screen performer. I would, you know, say one of the, maybe the best on-screen manager that I think we've had in recent times. So um, you, you would certainly figure he would ha be somebody who maybe would have a, a job for life potentially if the people in charge were still the people in charge. And I think this was just, you know, another set of moves to indicate that it's a regime change. I mean, it's out with yeah. the old and in with the new. That's what this very much feels it, like. It, it's a, re it, it's almost something to prevent the regime change because uh, I mean, the building blocks for the regime change were in this performance center and slowly all of those pieces are, are being taken away and being replaced by I mean, you know, members of the old regime. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Road Dog is another name, I would say, even more so than, you know, um, uh, William Regal that I felt was probably going to be a lifer in this company. Um, so his his release definitely comes as a surprise to me as well. Yeah, and it's just, you know, when you look at at the level of, of knowledge that you have cut ties with, um, like a regal, for for instance, of just the amount of contacts that this man has amassed worldwide and having his finger on the pulse of the independent scene when they were very ag aggressive in marketing. Like this was a guy that was showing up at your PWGs and seeking out all of this talent and being up on who was who was on the rise because that was the mandate for re recruitment. And when I look at a lot of these performers that they're they're bringing in that many of them do not have that independent experience and to let a William Regal go. I just, I find it stunning that you're sending a guy with that kind of institutional knowledge out into the marketplace. I just, of what that guy has been exposed to his experiences and really the entire structure of an NXT program. 
if I am an AEW that is seeking out long-term a developmental program of, hey, handing over Dark to somebody that has seen from the ground up building this and has all of this experience, all of these contacts, uh, that's that's someone I'm, I'm very heavily recruiting um, cu- coming out of this. I mean, you know, it, it feels like deja vu. Anytime there's one of these sets of releases, we, we think, hey, like, how would this piece fit into AEW? And it, it's certainly getting to the point now where I don't even know if, if we can suddenly just kind of bring that up because it's a very full roster. I mean, maybe you make an exception for somebody like William Regal, who, you know, from a developmental standpoint, offers... I, I'm not looking at this guy as even, like, on air, or as a, right. certainly not as a wrestler. This is more so for, but, you know... But, but we're still talking added salary to, you know, already a, yeah. a, a pretty bloated AEW. Um, and are they in a position to, you know, uh, uh, make up whatever a William Regal might have been making in the WWE? Uh the you know these jobs aren't going to come very easily in the wrestling industry, especially if you're um, somebody behind the scenes. So we we definitely wonder for a lot of the people named here. I mean, I would expect some of them to who weren't necessarily wrestling and were strictly coaching to re-enter the fold, and that includes a Timothy Thatcher, who I think would fit in in many places. Um, and I think fans, you know, for this particular person, would be happy to see him be more active as an in-ring performer than somebody backstage. But it's very, it's tough. Like you're being sent out, and remember, like for some people, it's you get into that system, and maybe it's not the biggest money you can be making, but it, but it's good money. It's a full time position, mm-hmm. and suddenly you have to take many steps back of going back to the to the independent circuit. Mentally, that's a hard adjustment. That I've got to work just as hard, if not harder, in a very different environment than the one I left a couple of years ago. And I'm doing it for a fraction of the money. Like what, what is my, my goal was moving forward towards a position like that. Now I'm, I'm so far back. And I mean, for, for talent, you, I think you hit the nail on the head with like AEW. There's only so many spots. And Tony Khan has said as much that we have to be more judicious about, you know, who we're going to bring in here. We can't just bring everyone in. And there's, there's always going to be names that are just not going to fit there. It's, 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 catastrophic but it's you you don't ever get used to these these days and they're just so unfortunate it is yeah because everybody has you know i'm sure a heartbreaking story i mean everybody has dreams that are broken now um and you know stories stories like allison dangers um of, of all these people having to uproot their lives to you know follow this opportunity and i mean nothing's guaranteed ultimately especially when you sign the contracts that they offer you um, but it, it, it still absolutely sucks to hear, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, you're right. It never gets easier. Yeah. There's a, there's a larger discussion that maybe, maybe contract that they should be guaranteed. Like when you sign something like you, you guarantee something to them that, you know, you, you That's don't the, get, yeah, it's, it it's would a make very, sense, but the, the power but, imbalance is very evident, uh, from all of these. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll probably talk about this a bit more on the the Daily News show on Thursday at 1. But uh, we do have a story up on the site if you want to uh, read more about that. Tonight's Dynamite was the first on TBS from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. And back at 8 o'clock Eastern and Pacific. So for those on the West Coast and um, select uh, homes with the Mountain Time Zone, Back at 8 p.m. So you have this staggered feed and this was already going to be an interesting number to see what they draw their first week on TBS. But in theory, that should be an advantage for Dynamite this week. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, because all the homes would be getting it at a more appropriate time, you would think, for people to watch. Yes, yes. So kicking things off was the the rematch between Hangman Page and Brian Danielson. 60-minute time limit, and our judges, after all of this buildup with the judges, they were Jerry Lynn, Paul White, and Mark Henry. And there was no real story to this or building to anything in the future. It was just to have three judges there if need be. And I love that Paul White and Mark Henry took the time when they were introduced to stand up and wave, not Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn was here to do a job. It's like, okay, you know who I am, whatever. Yeah, he's not standing up. Come on. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Let's get to the match. He's too cool for that. No, he's like, yeah, I get the sense he's he's more like, uh, like, I don't want to, you know, hog the spotlight type of thing. But as soon as they announced these judges and they're just dudes that are hanging out in the back anyway, it told me immediately that they weren't going to need the judges to play a significant role in this one and that we weren't going to have to go to the judges at all. And yeah, why, why waste sort of, you know, like, I don't know, Jason Hervey or like whoever you would want to get. <laughs> yeah, big, don't waste Jason <laughs> Hervey. Don't throw him away. For a big celebrity cameo if, if they weren't going to be used. I really thought we were going to get one of the Go Big Show judges to promote the show the next well, time. They certainly had, did a lot of – uh, that's right. That's right. And uh, <laughs> but people would have been upset at that because how how would I don't know T Pain judge of wrestling match? Well, I for for credibility's sake, but I mean I was just looking at it strictly for the the promotion, which there, there was a lot of it on on tonight's show. So the match begins, and I don't know how much you pay attention to the graphics when they when they put the messages up, but we had Danielson, and on his graphic it read he has not been pinned or submitted in four hours of AEW <laughs> ring time. Four hours this man has wrestled in AEW. Hangman Page, it read, has not won a match this year. (laughs) That's funny. It's an ongoing gag that uh, the graphics guy has with Hangman Page. And I I hope we never get a payoff in that for the rest of his AEW career. It's just like, you know, this. They're funny. Uh, Danielson is running away as the match begins and Page hits a suicide dive uh, but cannot hit the moonsault off the top so instead he hits Danielson with an apron bomb and very early he's teasing the buckshot and Danielson is evading and ends up sending Page into the barricade. Uh, Page then is sent shoulder first into the post reminiscent of the first match and Danielson goes after uh, the shoulder. He Busts open Page uh, near the steps as they go to the first picture in picture, and Page has a, a pretty, a pretty solid flow going here uh, of blood as he goes throughout the break. Danielson's targeting the cut, and the blood is getting all over Danielson. Uh, they fly over the top to the floor, and Page gets posted. They fight back, and it's uh, Brian here. Uh, sorry, Page is the one when they go to the second commercial break, he's the one doing the jumping jacks to show how fresh he is. And in all of this, Danielson has been busted open and Danielson ended up outdoing page. There was a fair amount of blood between both men, but this was, um, this was a a bath here from Danielson. Yeah. Um, you debut on a new channel and you, (laughs) you show them the type of content, um, (laughs) that the, that the channel is about well, to get Welcome to TVS. That bloody show. <laughs> that uh, bloody show, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when Brian first showed off his his cut, it didn't look that bad. And then you come back from commercial and this dude like made Pager's cut look like a, a paper cut. It was uh 
It was the most I've seen Brian bleed in years. Like, I can't, I mean, certainly not, never in the WWE have I seen him bleed this much. So, uh, yeah, it was quite the sight. Did you mean to say that Paige had a paper cut? Yeah. It's kind of clever. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. Did mean it. Yeah. Paige does the following moonsault. Uh, they move to the floor, and Danielson comes off the apron and gets caught with the dead eye on the floor. And Paige sets up for the buckshot lariat, but Danielson collapses before contact can be made. And then he lures in Paige into the label lock. And this crowd, they are going nuts. It was so loud at this point in the match. Paige gets out, hits the moonsault to the floor. Danielson then ducks a buckshot and hits the Busaiku knee for an insane near fall. It's uh, Newark deserved a round of applause here. It was so loud. They have this headbutt battle, but a, a very safe one as they were getting the hands up, but they were just launching their heads at one another. Rolling elbow from Danielson, and then Danielson stops the dead eye, hits the gotch pile driver, and he's pretty much going through the whole rotation of finishers that he's introduced to us over those four hours of match time. Danielson runs into a powerbomb. Paige is caught in a triangle. Danielson goes to the heel hook. All the different methods he's used. Breaks free. He rains down strikes on Danielson. Backdrop driver. Buckshot lariat. And he pins Brian Danielson. 29 minutes, 4 seconds in a excellent match. Absolutely fantastic match. Um, You know, there's some recency bias here. But I, I think this might have been my favorite Brian match since he's come back from to AEW. Or he said he's arrived at AEW, I should say. I think this was the culmination of a fantastic story that they built throughout all the Dark Order hometown appearances to the one-hour draw. And I think, you know, like we were wondering, okay, how are they going to top a one-hour draw? And they did it with blood, John. A lot of it. Um it was a really great pace throughout from the get-go. I think every single second of this was exciting. You had visually, I think, the most stunning um, of, of all the Brian matches that we've had so far. For that matter, maybe all the page matches that we've had. Uh, and it was a 30-minute match that ultimately, to me, really felt like five. You know, in terms of intensity, in terms of atmosphere. The atmosphere it, was amazing It for was this. electric, yeah. Like, the first one, like, it's... It's an accomplishment in and of itself that you hold people's attention for 60 minutes. It wasn't like they just got points for going 60. Like, it was a real compelling 60. Uh, but this one, it was just, it was so intense. It had so many of the callbacks with Danielson's different finishing techniques that he was going for. I thought Paige was a phenomenal baby face. It's like sometimes you wonder if, you know, if a Paige is going to be able to uh, rise to the level of some of these opponents and whether it's Omega or Danielson, like we've seen it time after time, like he mm -hmm. has become such a seasoned performer um, and on the level of these guys. And yep. this, um, yeah, like you can take your pick of which match you enjoyed more, but man, was this a fantastic follow up. I, I, I just, I, I love this match. It was just, if anything, it was just so great that it was it was kind of tough to get into anything else on this show um, because the match quality was just so through the roof with this first half hour of the show, and I, and I think I think they kind of tried to not go at it like we had like some quick squashes after this talking segments like really trying to like take you on a totally different path after following this because if you had put the tag titles or the TBS match right after this it would have suffered for sure I was I, it was smart to space those out. 
it's it's an expected challenge with any of these dynamite shows. You know, they they put the main event first to try to capital, and it was especially important tonight on a brand new channel to get people to tune in right off the bat at the, at at the very beginning. Um, but yeah, I I, I thought it was it was a one like they more than stuck the landing on this terrific story that they've told. And uh, what do you think is next for either of them? Uh, with Danielson, yeah, you've got to go towards the next contender. I Does think he stay that heel. It, Danielson, mm-hmm. I, I think I think you do. I wouldn't want to just flip him back just because this this program is over. I think you've kind of made the the switch, and I mean he does have that ability that I think you can with with a proper heel opponent. He can shift, and as we saw with this turn, it's not like it's this abrupt change that is uh, jarring to the audience. Like it's a major change when you step back and look at it. But in real time, it was just he was just making slight alterations, and mm-hmm. it was all stuff he introduced. And if he's smart, I think he can he can weave his way between baby faces and heels, and that's his greatest value. Yeah, like if he wants the audience to cheer for him, they will cheer for him like tomorrow if they wanted to. What I do hope is that he keeps this anger and this aggression. I mean, in this match with this amount of blood and this intensity was the meanest I have seen Brian Danielson thus far in AEW. And I hope he keeps that. You know, I I don't want to see the guy pandering. I don't I don't want to really even see him doing yes chance. I don't want any of that stuff. I want this guy to still be mean and still be aggressive, especially in the matches. How about with Paige? Do you th- like where do you see him uh, going after this? It's a, it's a long time until the pay per view, which I would imagine is when you peak for his next big title defense. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Punk and MJF, of course, are 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 both kind of vying for the championship, and I imagine their match will ultimately determine um, who faces Paige next. But that's where I think it's going. Like, it really seems as Punk MJF. They're not going to hold that off till Revolution. Like, that seems like they're going to go with that with it within Perhaps. a month or so. Yeah, and then, but you know, Paige is going to need opponents in the meantime. Um, and are there any serious challengers? Will there be any any serious opponents? Um, you know, it, is Miro ready to come back? You know, is Moxley ready to come back? I mean, there's there's a question too. Do you, do you see him defending the title on TV before the pay per view? Oh, how many weeks are we away? Like two, we got two months. Two months, then yes, it's a long I time. Do. Yeah, I definitely do. We'll also probably find out on Saturday, that, like if if there's going to be another TNT special, maybe soon. Right. Uh, well, there's four in the year, so it'll probably be a a while yeah. till they they do the next one. Um, right. I gotta say, after after tonight, this battle of the belts. Would you be buying a ticket to go see this on Saturday? Like, what are you getting on Saturday if you're just watching this? Like, you're aware of two matches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this match completely overshadowed, I think, whatever they're trying to build on Saturday, as it should. It's a move to TBS. That, again, we've talked about the timing of the Saturday show maybe coming a, a little bit awkwardly. Um, it's just I, puzzling that they, they have booked a venue to go live on Saturday night for this. And it just feels like I, I'm sure like you can throw in matches that you can tape for for future. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, as a live event and the Bojangles Coliseum, it's not like it's some tiny arena either that you're trying to sell tickets for this uh, well, on top of it. And I just don't know what would compel someone to buy a ticket to this based on what the buildup has been. I mean, I do believe they have enough stars. I think you might I wouldn't be surprised to, to see like, you know, or to hear about a Brian or Punk special house show may you know match that maybe only that particular audience will see that they'll bank for uh uh their tape library perhaps you know it's 
Um, well, great. When, when are they going to announce that then? You're right. Yeah. Maybe Friday. I don't know. Maybe in the days ahead. But you're right. Like they, they, they probably have to, you know, do some announcing of, of what else is going to be on this show for the live crowd. Like for a one hour show, it's like you've got you've got some stars on it, like Cody and Guevara. It's a big match. Britt Baker and Rio. They they built up for a while. Like as a, as a one hour show, like it, it feels it doesn't feel like a huge show, but it's you know mm-hmm. it's two title matches. It's yeah. I, how much again? You know, you if this that. was not the TBS week, I'm willing to bet they would have put a page like a proper page title defense on on that first TBS TNT special. So the acclaimed do a promo calling Sting a boomer. They laid out Sting and Darby last week, and they're going to show them what people of our generation do to take care of business. Next week, a viral video. They're dropping a diss track on these two. Can you t- claim a video is going to be viral before it it's, it's released? They're very they're being very presumptuous. All right. So we look forward to that. Will we get a response from Sting after Sting rap? Yes. <laughs> I would love that. MJF comes out and he he's challenging some fan with a CM Punk f- sign, giving the middle finger to other fans. And his opponent is Sean Dean. And the match begins and CM Punk runs down to an outrageous reaction. And he chases MJF out. The audience is going crazy for Punk. And then Punk attacks Sean Dean with the GTS Therefore, Sean Dean wins by DQ in a, in 43 seconds. And as they explained, the records reset at the beginning of the year. So MJF is 0 and 1. I when you know, when Punk came out here and when he attacked Sean Dean, you know, I mean, a, another baby face. I, I was like, what the hell? And then the reveal of the strategy, I actually thought was really brilliant. You know, it was a a, a really smart play from punk to take advantage of AEW's yearly rankings reset. And the story here is that punk intends to derail MJF's goal of vying for the championship. Um, so I thought this was really a brilliant way to get there. Kind of sucks for Sean Dean, but I mean, Sean Dean's not a focused player right now. Um, I don't know if they intend for him to be, I know he's got some backstage role, you know, hiring talents for dark. Um, so he might, might've just been considered somebody expendable anyway. And, I thought it set up a great Pro Bowl battle between these two. Punk says, yeah, this is going to happen every time until you step into the ring with me, you little bitch. MJF insults New Jersey and says that everything that comes out of Punk's mouth is fake. You induce boredom and says without MJF, Punk is nothing. I make you relevant. You're not the same guy you used to be and you sold Tony Khan a bill of goods. And MJF brings up the comparison he made to Roddy Piper in Portland uh, the crowd starts a PG Punk chant, and MJF says that unlike Punk, Piper was he- was talented enough to headline a WrestleMania. And the crowd responds to this insult and says that if he isn't respected around here, maybe I'll main event a WrestleMania too. And Punk says, I just came here to kick your ass. And if you think the grass is greener, then go ahead and main event night four of buy one, get one free extravaganza, and then get released. And when you come back here, I'll still be here to kick your ass. This was, I, I thought this was a great line by MJF and an even better response from Punk. And okay. it was, I, I just thought, like, you know your audience and what they're going to react to. And I, I thought this was just, like, great, great interaction. The, the, the line in specific was, Get released quicker than you last in bed, which 
man was so oh. awesome. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, Punk bringing up the mania thing. Of course, we all know that was one of Punk's big criticisms of his WWE run. Like, it's something he he really wanted that he never had. You know, it's a personal line that would mm-hmm. affect him, and that's where it, it was great ammunition for the promo. And this crowd completely got it. But even if you weren't aware of all that history, I think you would have just saw it as, oh, okay, he mentioned, like, you know, WWE. It was a great line. But Punk's response was even better. And that, to me, is the great is a great sign of a great promo battle between the two. Especially, I love it, especially when the babyface comes out on top afterwards. And, you know, uh, prompts MJF to do the cowardly thing. MJF asks if people want the match. So he says, next week, it's CM Punk. Versus Wardlow, and the crowd chants bullshit at this. And Punk says that he, uh, Punk says that him and Piper are guys that would fight anyone, anytime. I'll beat Wardlow, and I'm gonna put you to sleep. So that is next week, Wardlow and CM Punk in North Carolina. Overall, I I love this TV segment. I think it was a perfect follow up to the Paige Danielson intense in ring drama. You, you, you know, follow that up with, I think, a, a bit of mind games between these two and a fantastic promo exchange between the two best speakers in the company right now. Um, this was another chapter that felt worthwhile and ha- didn't feel repetitive, even though they've done t- like when they first did that big talking segment, I thought, well, how many weeks are they going to be able to, like, you know, talk to each other to top what they did? Many. And they find ways. Like, they find ways to do different things and to keep this whole thing compelling and to continue to heat up this rivalry. And uh, I, I've I've loved almost all of them. They aired a video previewing Cody and Guevara for Battle of the Belts, narrated by Jennifer Nettles of Go Big Show. And then Chris Jericho comes out, his first appearance on TBS since April of 1999. And he was able to get a TBS chant going here from this crowd. He explains he did not come out last week to save Eddie Kingston, but instead to go after those 2.0 dipshits. So Matt Lee and Jeff Parker come out and are referred to as Terrence and Philip. And then Jericho... You, pers- usually lines like that are like, oh, okay, whatever. But then Matt Lee started talking. It was it was like, if, <laughs> if you sounds- know, if you get the Terrence and Philip reference, which I don't know how many people are going to necessarily get, as soon as this he This audience talks, gets it. This, I think so. Watching, I yeah. think so. You're right. Because to me, I was like, is, is, are people going to get that? And then they talked. And dude, I like laughed as soon as he talked. And the, these two... To- Matt Lee and Jeff Parker, these guys have tremendous comedic timing. Like, they know how to be the butts of the joke... Uh, and that that is an art sometimes of knowing how to like feed the guy that's insulting you, and they pretty much did that here. It, it makes me wonder if they were inte- like if Matt Lee was intentionally trying to sound like Terrence and Philip, or if I I kind of think that's just the way he actually sounds. I think he just kind of turned it up here. Um, but the focus then went to Lee's forehead, looking like a post-it note, and then he dubbed them Squarehead and Pinhead as they got upset at Jericho, who got a bat. And Daniel Garcia tried to jump Jericho. He got hit with the bat, but it was three on one until Santana Ortiz and Eddie Kingston ran down to uh, clear the ring and set up our no holds barred match on Friday. As a setup to a Friday rampage match, I thought it was absolutely fine. Um, But the internet didn't seem to react well to a lot of these um they did not enjoy the square head pinhead references yeah the jericho kind of very pg sounding types of insults and they especially did not enjoy 
whoever dyed Jericho's hair with yeah. that lazy ass, terrible, terrible, terrible dye job. Um, I don't know what this was, man. This was like some something went wrong because uh, this thing, like, it looked like he had like you know oil dripped on his head. What what like, would you do if you had had like a bad dye job? Like, would you wear a hat? Would I you... would have worn the hat. I would. Have I like... can't. I can't even picture Jericho wearing a hat. Well, he's got the he's got the fedora from time to time. The fedora. I would have shaved my head off. Like honestly, like if <laughs> I, I, I don't think he could do that. I don't. It, I don't it, think Jericho would do that for free. But but man, this this thing looked awful. So I, I, I don't think know. The, the thing with like Chris Jericho is a baby face in AEW. Like he. He uses a lot of material that I think people look at as like cliche or it's like low hanging fruit. But like I watch all of these shows and it's like these live crowds, they eat it up. And it's like I understand why some people like it's not, you know, maybe the sophisticated promos you get out of like an MJF. But it's it's stuff that typically nine times out of ten gets over with these crowds. So I understand it. Yeah, I understand it too. No, I, I had no issue with the pinhead square head thing. I thought it actually. I, I really worked. didn't. I like. I, I was amused at like the Terrence and Philip line, and I I find two point to be hilarious. It's like the three. I thought I, I I had really no big big issue with it, but yeah, I definitely saw it, this. This did not seem like a very popular segment. I, I just more so saw saw the hair <laughs> comment. So I hope he like plays with that and like you know i hope like the, the 2.0 bring it up like use it you know it's an opportunity to like you know like i don't know get a reaction next week they showed footage of jake atlas on dark elevation against serpentico and announcing that he has signed and then we cut to adam cole with kyle o'reilly and bobby fish and cole says that he knows that kyle didn't mean to hit him last week and if the three of us with the Young Bucks are all on the same page. We are a super group and unstoppable. And then Cole proposes a one-on-one match with Jake Atlas this Friday on Rampage so he can send him on a one-way ticket back to Orlando. And it ends with Kyle saying, cut it, Landon. <laughs> yes, keeping the uh, name-calling name gimmick. Um, I kind of like that we're slowly starting to turn rampage into nxt black and gold <laughs> it just kind of feels like we're having that whole roster just migrate over yeah I, and they and they've also turned uh orlando into like the last place you want to end up in the wrestling world i mean after news events like news days like today like like it, it's getting that reputation it's it's got know? a tear like it, it within the industry i think it's like WWE, it's like it's it's a horrible reputation you have more so amongst like those within the industry that that is how they view like just how how callous it is, how there's no um, there's no commitment to its talent. And it's certainly like the audience sees that. But more so, it's like the guys in the industry like it's it's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, you, you saw it in the MJF promo. I mean, MJF is a heel building himself on him wanting to go to the WWE. <laughs> Which you know? is a very smart play. Very smart, absolutely. But uh, yeah, no mention of, uh, you know, the Bucks being out or, or Brandon Cutler uh, being out due to COVID. And um, I mean, the Bucks don't appear on every episode anyway, so I didn't affect the story at all tonight. No, no. Um, and and given like the like the new guidelines, like you would you would expect them back next week. Mm-hmm. 
So Wardlow and Antonio Zambrano, who's a uh, local wrestler in New Jersey, Spears attacks him with the C4 on the floor, rolls him in, and Wardlow's kind of pissed that Spears has attacked this guy. So he proceeds to hit five power bombs, and the crowd just gets louder and louder. A minute 25, Wardlow wins uh, standing on top of him. So short, quick squash, and continuing Wardlow's frustration with Spears and probably needs to... um, Go to the next chapter next week with the punk match and maybe Spears costing Wardlow the match or or something like that, like screwing up in the process. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Continuing to heat that up. And um, yeah, this Lesnar push, I think, is really working for for Wardlow. These crowds are getting into him like the powerbomb symphony is working very effectively. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of, you know, MJ uh, is mentioning in the chat something about Jake Atlas possibly getting hurt at the uh, tapings. So I don't, we'll, we'll follow up on that uh, tomorrow. Probably when we'll find out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Only so much we can do when we're recapping this live. Hmm. Uh, Jade Cargill. Uh, first, they showed highlights of Layla Hirsch on dark, uh, not getting along with red velvet and Chris Statlander. And then we go to the TBS tournament final with Ruby Soho taking on, Jade Cargill and Ruby gets uh, sent to the floor early and Mercedes Martinez came down. Thunder Rosa runs down attacking Mercedes. They go through the picture in picture and it's like, like the go-to injury for Ruby Soho is attacking the shoulder. And she was driven into the post from the apron and it was Soho fighting with, with one arm for the rest of the way here. Jade hit a shoulder breaker, pump kick for a two count, and then Ruby comes back with a Saito suplex as Mark Sterling gets onto the apron and is ejected by Aubrey Edwards. Jade then counters with a roll-up, and Ruby hits the no future for a near fall, hitting, I would say, a five on the Ruby Soho scale of shock. I thought, yeah, I thought we were going to get another 10. Uh, Ruby yeah, Soho it was, I thought we were going there and it was almost like she caught herself and like kind of like simmered it a little. I don't know why. I think she should do it every time. Like I want her big... to hit a 20. I want her to get bigger <laughs> than last time. Like it needs to be like her thing is the shock face. Yes. Yes. So they battle on the turnbuckle and Jade is setting up for Jaded and she Clearly was going for, like, the top turnbuckle, but the footing was off. So she just showed, like, the presence of, like, okay, it's not going to work to the top. We're going to go off the second turnbuckle, which I thought was, like, a very smart decision in the moment. Hit jaded and wins in 11 minutes and 13 seconds. There's no way that move would have worked on the top turnbuckle. That's that. I, I don't know how it looked pretty scary to, for her to like it, she's on the second turnbuckle with the move applied and yeah. just imagine her stepping both feet up holding Ruby. And, you know, for, for a lot of people who are inexperienced and you've got the big move in your mind, it's like you've got to hit this at all cost. And she just realized this on the fly, like, hey, not happening and made the right call. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the end result didn't look great either, I have to say, but. They they finished the match and created a really great moment here. You know, she had her hit kid in the crowd. Yep. This was an, an audience that absolutely wanted to see her win. And I, I don't think this was a good technical match, I have to say. Uh, but it didn't seem to affect the crowd's enjoyment. You know, Jade is over. They wanted to see her win. I've said this, you know, throughout the tournament. I do have my concerns about whether or not she can pull off the standard of quality that we've come to expect from AEW champions I think she will need a roster of very strong opponents 
in order to carry her through a lot of these matches. But she is the person who should be champion. She's the one with the presence. She's the one with the star power. She's the one with the mainstream appeal. And there have, in professional wrestling, we have seen plenty of success come from wrestlers who are holding championships who aren't really the best in-ring wrestlers, but have other people built them up to the level for the benefit of the company. Um, but that's not to say she doesn't need to improve because I think now with the microscope on her with the belt, she has to improve exponentially. Um, and she has to be better than I think what we saw tonight. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a great match. It was largely contingent on like Ruby's selling for for the majority of it. And the question is like, you know, you put the title on her like that's that's a big step up. And do you just go with like shorter matches for her or do you put her in these longer matches now that they are title matches, which are they're going to be tough. But that's sort of what she needs to be doing when you don't have sort of your your traditional developmental or house show touring where, you know, these are the matches you get there for everybody to see on national television. So, like, I, I hope it's a it's a positive, but you put the title on her like it's a it's a higher level of expectation. Especially in this company, you know, if it was a WWE championship, um, two, three minute matches, I don't think that'd be as difficult. But if you're going to headline the occasional rampage or future battle of the belts, you're going to be expected to perform at at, at the appropriate level. Uh, So this is from someone that was at the arena tonight. And the message they sent me was uh, Jake Atlas debuted against Adam Cole. Seems like he might have hurt his knee legitimately or just been really good selling, but the match fell apart and they went to a finish really quickly. Uh, so obviously wow. we, haven't, we haven't seen this, but that was from someone that was at the arena tonight. Yeah, Brian Alvarez tweeting it, um, uh, that out as well, uh, that he he's awaiting details on a, on a knee injury. But man, terrible night uh, as far as injuries go. That's unfortunate. Yeah, uh, we'll get to more uh, in the main event. Jim Ross did a sit down with Serena Deeb on her rivalry with Hikaru Shida. And she asks, what wrestler is on my level? I'm the professor of professional wrestling because I have a PhD in this shit. And she takes what she wants. And today I demanded from Tony Khan a match with Hikaru Shida next week. And I'm going to take 17 years of frustration out on her. And she won't walk out on her own. Deep sounded great. Absolutely great here. You know, I do. I, I think the, the the women's division is is lacking in strong heels, and especially strong heels who can appear mean and intense when they're cutting promos. And I, I thought Dee brought it like she said it great. PhD in this shit. PhD. PhD. Oh my Sorry, goodness, it's terrible. Well, I mean, she uh, she might she might borrow that. Malachi Black, Brian Pillman Jr. with Julia Hart with an eye patch. Yes, the return. One eye was saved, but the other not so much from that mist. And Brian Pillman had some like black shit under his eyes too. Like not that much, not like Alistair Black level, but like yeah. almost like almost looked like he had like. Dirty well, he was possessed. On. Uh, the, the ending of this match, he was obviously possessed by something. S- sure, yeah. Um, they go through picture and picture. Black just lifts him up. He's pretty much having his way with Pillman. Pillman holds onto the leg and starts fighting back and gets Malachi up and brings him down into a jackhammer. And then he goes for a springboard and like trips up on the top rope and just rolls into Black, who hits the Black Mass and pinned him. Um, I don't know. I 
Yeah. I, I really felt like it was an intentional botch. Oh, I, I think it was completely intentional. The way yeah. he like rolled like right in and the, he was there for the black mass. It was, I, I thought, completely intentional. Um, I, I just didn't think this really clicked. I really enjoy these Malachi Black destructions on TV. And Pillman took that amazing black mass a few weeks ago. But I don't know. It just seemed... Um, so, something off in this one and mm. maybe it was also having like the picture in picture in the middle there as well for yeah. what i thought was just going to be a much quicker deal um yeah i don't I, know this one just really didn't connect with me i don't disagree it was also in the death spot right before the main event you know in the pretty much like with a half hour to go in on the show where i think everybody was just kind of impatient and waiting for the main event anyway um I don't think this needed to be anything but another showcase for Aleister Black, and that's ultimately how it came across. Can't really say it was all that particularly interesting or memorable from Pillman's perspective. So, um, are, are we seeing the uh, the Varsity Blondes all fall under Malachi Black's spell? Is that what we're where we're going towards? I mean, I didn't get that. Did you get that indication? Because I, I thought Julie Hard would reemerge, like Julia Black. You know. Like, or at least, like, change, but it just seemed like this was well, the Well, they, they did show her kind of looking distressed in the corner and not... They they pointed out, like, she wasn't her usual, like, perky self. So I guess the idea here is if they're going to eventually be under, like, how long does How long does the infection of the, the mist take to, you know, to take hold? Um, is, uh, it, Alexa, is it 10 days? Is it Alexa like- Bliss has been under it for, like, over a year. So it can be... It's, it's a long road to recovery. Mm, okay. Uh, we'll see. Oh, oh, and then, then like, was so, like, the Lucha Brothers came out here, so teasing something between uh, Aleister Black and right. the Lucha Brothers. Right, so the Lucha Brothers come out to help, and the lights go out, and when they come on, they've switched spots where Malachi was in the ring, and now he's on the ramp, and the Lucha Brothers are in the ramp, and then they just go back to uh, tending to Pillman in the ring. So he's got, like, trading places powers? Yep. And like swap places with the person he's looking at. Yes. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, or maybe it's, it's convenient. Yeah. I don't know what was going on here, but they, uh, yeah, they can dig. I mean, they, they're obviously teasing something between the Lucha Brothers and what I would presume to be the House of Black. You know, perhaps a tag team partner for Aleister Black, maybe Brody King. Don't know. Shivani was with obviously Ruby, so- not obviously not happening. Um, immediately now. Right, right. Uh, Shivani is with Ruby Soho backstage and is interrupted by Britt Baker, who says this is the second time you couldn't get the job done after Grand Slam. And Ruby points out that Baker never wins without help from the other two. And you've never beat Rio. And they all get into a fight. Big pull apart. Rio is there. And uh, this was a AEW backstage brawl. We had to have at least one on the show. Yeah. Like if, if there's something that I... I, I... I don't like on a consistent level about this company. It's it's just these backstage segments. They're they're not that creative. It's an intense locker room, way right? they're they have short fuses. So here is the lineup for Rampage. So uh, Adam Cole and Jake Atlas uh, providing that ends up airing. Um, I guess would be mm. a, a question to have. Daniel Garcia and 2.0 against Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. No DQ. No rules. No holds barred. Dr. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter versus Riho and Ruby Soho and Hook will take on Aaron Solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, QT took all the credit for Hook training at his school. He's a delinquent who came in late, left early, and just ate chips. A delinquent. Sounds, sounds like a good day. Not and for then, you. 
Yeah, no, not, not <laughs> at all. I would throw this guy out immediately. Uh, and then Dynamite next week, they've announced Punk and Wardlow, Sheeta and Deeb, and Powerhouse Hobbs versus Dante Martin. That's in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. The Lucha Brothers versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus for the AEW tag titles. Uh, this match had an unfortunate moment at the end, um, but they were having a hell of a match on on the way to, uh, towards this. There was a spot early where all four locked hands and the Jungle Boy and Phoenix go to the top and arm drag the other two. And then Penta returns just to kick Jungle Boy in the head. Uh, Penta pops uh, Jungle Boy onto the apron into Phoenix running the ro- the top rope with the penalty kick. They go through the picture and picture. Heat is on Jungle Boy, who eventually tags Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy leaps over Jungle uh, over Luchasaurus into a destroyer on Penta. This looked phenomenal. Absolutely, yeah, oh. really great. Phoenix then does a springboard into a destroyer on Luchasaurus. There's a Made in Japan by Penta for a two count on Jungle Boy. And then the Lucha Brothers are double teaming them when the lights go out. But then they come back on and we're left wondering what the the lights out are meaning here. So we got uh, the the lights going going down again. Okay, so yeah, uh, um, another Malachi Black tease, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what everyone... But like when was. the lights go out, usually something happens, right? Well, I mean, that maybe this is going to be a recurring bit, and then it will have its big reveal at a later date. But it didn't even have an effect on the match. Well, we also don't know how the ending maybe had to be rushed to, or if the lights were going to go down again. Um, I, I, I don't know. Or, or it's just going to be something that's going to plague the Lucha Brothers for the next while before they, before they reveal who's behind it. I mean, it just... To me, came across more as like a technical malfunction than anything deliberately affecting the, the Lucha Brothers or the match. Well, that, that's how they introduced Malachi. Remember, like they did do the, the right. idea that yeah. that that it was the malfunction, and then it paid off. It paid off that night, but it was a recurring bit too. Yeah, I guess I I don't like it because it's not <laughs> believable at all. Dude, anytime the lights <laughs> go out, people go nuts. They love the lights going out. But that's usually sure. because they think they're getting something and they're they're making you wait here. So uh, Penta then drapes Jungle Boy on the corner. Phoenix hits this tornillo over Jungle Boy, hitting Penta on the floor. And then they hit a fear factor for a near fall. Alex Abrahantis sets up a table on the floor. Christian goes after Abrahantis and it climaxes with Phoenix leaping into the arms of Luchasaurus, who chokeslams Phoenix off the apron through the table and his arm just gets destroyed going through this table. It was t- totally nasty looking, and everyone was concerned here. Yeah. Um, I don't even want to describe how it looked, but, like, yeah, one of the, one of the worst breaks, uh, I think, I've, of a body part, I've, I feel like we've seen in, in you know, broadcast professional wrestling. It, it was immediately concerning if if you noticed it um i i'm i'm willing to bet a lot of people didn't immediately because you know if there's any silver lining for this terrible terrible thing i mean i suppose it's that it came at the very end of not just the match but of the lucha brothers title run so him not being a part of the match felt completely natural and the participants i wonder if they were even aware you know, until afterwards. Uh, certainly, I don't know if the commentators were aware. I don't know if the production was aware of what had they had just broadcast because they freely replayed it 
um, if you weren't watching closely, afterwards. like you, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have noticed. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, very, very concerning. And you obviously just hope for the best, uh, for, for Phoenix. Like this, this could mm-hmm. be, it, it is a really bad injury. So, um, it continues. The package pile driver is stopped. Jungle Boy goes for the kill switch, but it's stopped. And Maiden Japan gets countered as Jungle Boy rolls up Penta and pins him in 1434 as Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus win the tag titles. And afterwards, you had all the different tag teams uh, coming out on the stage. You had the inner circle in the crowd. And they were just going to all these weird shots of people like Jericho and Malachi Black and then having some of the teams on the stage. And I uh, I didn't quite understand why, like, a Malachi Black was, like, sitting like a normal citizen in the uh, in, in the crowd. But the idea here I took was that all these teams are, like, sizing up Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and, you know, plotting mm-hmm. to go after the champions and maybe looking at Jungle Boy as, like, this weak link that we can capitalize on. Yeah. Well, where else is Malachi Black supposed to sit? I mean, the guy is like, I assume like he like the is, rafters is, are taken. He's okay. like floating in space or something after his match. Or I don't know. <laughs> he's just floating. I you don't imagine him like being a, a shot guy of Malachi that's Black like floating, going, going <laughs> to buy some nachos and sitting to catch the main event before he's got to get back to the hotel and his flight tomorrow morning. The man has he's, teleportation powers, but I mean, he's got to sit too, right? You can't teleport all the time. He teleported to his seat. Um, but no, I, I do think the intent was to show that, okay, the division is wide open now. Um, all these people are people with tag teams or maybe about to start tag teams in the case of Malachi Black. And they're all gunning after, um, these tag titles. That's, it's kind of how I took it. And of course we also had, um, Jungle Boy's, uh, family in attendance. As, as that's well. right. That's right. They showed, I think his mom and sister in the crowd. So maybe they're forming a tag team. Maybe they're going after the belts next. Jungle mom and jungle sister jungle mom that sounds like a great band name but um it, you know this was i think a great moment that that they were setting up after a great match really like but all i can think about unfortunately and i think all, all most of us what, what, what could think about was was the really unfortunate injury um so hopefully we we hear some updates soon and whatever we hear we'll, we'll try to discuss tomorrow uh so that was uh, the first dynamite on TBS. Yeah, very unfortunate ending uh, with Phoenix in the main event. Um, but but I would say I thought uh, that that title match, the Danielson Page, was just spectacular. I think like this week you got I would say like three matches that are of the highest caliber in the two Okada matches: uh, Danielson and Page, a super memorable match in Shibata and, and Ren Narita. Like you, you've had some great pro wrestling five days into the year. Certainly, yeah, yeah. Even that not, day one main event, that was a great uh, main event. Even even New Year's Evil, I, I had some. Had some New Year's Evil matches. was a, f- a really entertaining show. I thought, man, we we were kind of talking about what was going to be the match of the show, and man, that Roderick Roderick Strong is just a phenomenal, phenomenal wrestler, and mm-hmm. him and Carmelo Hayes, that was a phenomenal opener. Yes, yes, uh, but yeah, this I thought you know this was a great show. You know, AEW really made this feel special, and I'm I'm gonna guess it. It might even feel a bit more special than Battle of the Belt. Two new champions were crowned on this one on a TV show. Uh, an incredible, like, honestly, just a one of, one of my favorite TV matches that I've seen from AEW right off the bat on this show. And a, a stellar punk MJF promo battle. Um, so, again, a really unfortunate ending, but 
uh, you know, you, I, I can't take away from the effort that they put into creating this two hours. All right, let's start off with feedback at forum.postwrestling.com. Bruce Lord writes, between the title match and the Punk MGF segment, I don't think TBS could have asked for a hotter start to AEW's tenure with the channel. I think I slightly preferred the first Page Danielson match, but there's no question that Page's stock has been massively raised by this feud. While a bit rough around the edges, the Ruby-Jade match showed some further improvement on the latter's part, and Jade was always the logical choice for the TBS belt. That said, Martinez and Rosa might be the match on the horizon I'm most excited about women or men. On a less positive note, Saturday's card still seems to be getting short shrift, with more or less equal focus being placed on Rampage as on Battle of the Belts. If these quarterly specials are meant to be modeled after Clash of the Champions, I'm not sure that the two matches announced thus far feel hot enough to live up to that legacy. Has there been any word as to whether the scheduling of the show was at the network's behest rather than AEW? I mean, obviously, you are going to be at the mercy of your broadcaster of like when, you know, it's going to be a collaborative effort of when these events are going to be put together. It would seem like not not knowing what the machinations are that this probably timing wise was not the best to have right with the TBS special happening days before. On top of it, like for a company like AEW. Like, how big can you make a one-hour special on a show that... Well, you could announce Paige versus Brian. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. And, and if if that show was more of a priority, if they had swapped maybe, you know, Riho versus Britt Baker instead on this show and put Brian versus uh, Paige on Battle of the Belts, would that have made for a more smooth transition? But... I mean, ultimately, I think we, we'd all agree that the TBS move was probably more important. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like if you have to choose between the two, like, what are we going to go hard promoting? It's it's this one. Like, this is where you've got to draw people on every Wednesday night. And for the first week, you want to establish that that habit with something big. So, um, yeah, it's like we, we will see what uh, what happens on Saturday and, and then for future ones. Like what the I just see like a one hour time slot it just seems to me to be uh, that like that. That's really tough to program. Yeah, we got an Ari from Montreal who says, "Crazy how two big title matches can be so different. World title match was great with all the spots and blood making sense, whereas the tag match was a mess. The ref is basically useless, yelling twenty times one person in the ring, and an unnecessary table spot with a pretty sloppy ending. Jungle Boy winning a title should have been a big moment, but it did not seem like it. AEW does great things." Then really bizarre things. After all the crap we're, we're given over the years to WWE embrace powers, are we to simply ignore for AEW's Malachi Black and simply praise it? I hope not. I mean, um, his powers, the lights have gone out. Yeah, like what exactly are the extent of Malachi Black's powers that he's shown in AEW thus far? He spit mist, which you can do. You could physically spit mist into someone's eye. Yeah, he blinds people. He kicks them. Like, I don't think we've seen the supernatural, other than the place-switching powers, but that's just, like, lights-out stuff, you know? like It doesn't really... I, I don't know how the Lucha Brothers moved in that whole sequence. Like, I could see Malachi Black moving to screw with them, but how did the Lucha Brothers move? We haven't seen Goop drip out of any uh, Julia Hart's head yet. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen any dolls. We haven't seen, like... We haven't seen the worst of the craziness. You know, ultimately, it does come down to, like, what is in ring. And as long as they pro- they provide that and don't go too far with the hocus pocus, um, I, I I think this thing will still work and still be acceptable for a, a more mature audience. 
So I, I, I don't think we, we've hit the point of comparison yet. Okay. Johnny writes, uh, I hope Phoenix is all right, but that looked like a nasty break. Uh, I heard his scream. Aside from that, what a show. AEW doing a DQ that actually plays into a story with Punk costing MJF a match to try and work his way into a singles match. Love it, but don't do a DQ for at least a year. But let's get to the match of the night and the high bar for the rest of the year. Brian said he came to AEW to wrestle, and the man has strung together a fantastic run of matches. Blood is not rare in AEW, but when used right, it adds to a match like the greatest of seasoning. While Omega might have been the best story-driven opponent for Paige, I think Danielson will be known as Paige's best opponent. The main event minus the injury was fantastic, but it made for an argument with my friend and JR. The ref's 10 count for the illegal man seems to be ignored for AEW tag matches. How much weight needs to be put on this count if the crowd doesn't doesn't mind and is into the match. I mean, this is a frequent uh, complaint that, that people will have of, especially of the, the tag matches. And it's, listen, if, if you're going to be uh, turned off by that kind of thing, this is not going to click with you, but these are the kinds of matches that I think a large part of the audience is more than willing to to forgive that the rules are relaxed. They want to see spectacular matches when especially Phoenix and Penta are in and you're trying to get over to the most amount of people. And that's that's what these matches are. I, I don't think you want to see the referee will be a heel if he's enforcing like the 10 count and thwarting all of this offense from these high flyers and that's going to turn off people that uh, want to see more of like the rules in place yeah i I agree with everything you said um i i I don't think this is a point of contention for people that aren't looking for it um but i will say i do think there needs to be some communication between jim ross the referees and wrestlers that are known to abuse this a lot because i think it's fine to to have it but to have your commentator constantly pointed out and not have anything be done about it, I think is just detrimental to, to your overall presentation. You know, if Jim Ross realizes, okay, nothing's going to happen. Well, why continue to bring it up? It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help to, you know, and, and, and if he thinks it's important enough, enough to bring up, then I think he should communicate with Tony Khan so that Tony can communicate with the wrestlers and communicate with the with the refs to actually have repercussions the next time something like this happens. It to me just kind of feels, you know, a little inconsistent between presentation and what we're, what we see. We go up next to Andrew from Cape Breton, who says when Sean Dean won his match via DQ, I'm surprised Tony Khan didn't brag about it on Twitter. Tonight was definitely a great night for the company. Uh, oh man. Okay. Tonight was definitely a great night for the company. The world title match was excellent and definitely a great way to solidify page as the top guy. There are no real negative comments on the show. The Wardlow squash was good. Black and Pillman was good. The TBS title is on a strong, undefeated performer. And the tag match was excellent despite the horrific injury. I think one negative is AEW sometimes will do unnecessary spots. And that ta- table spot where Phoenix got hurt was really unnecess- unnecessary. And it will likely cost Phoenix a lot of time due to his injury. Well, what, well how do you deem necessary? What's necessary? Was I, it simply I unnecessary because he got injured? That's it. I mean, if, if if the spot went fine, no one would be complaining about it. It was a spectacular ending to the match that was going to take Phoenix out. It's it's a tragedy that he got hurt, but I wouldn't call the spot unnecessary. It was designed to be the reason that Phoenix was, was laid out on the floor, and it was going to be arguably the second biggest pop of the match behind the finish. In terms of danger, I, I mean, I feel like we we see much worse, you know, from from uh, from risk than dude. So like some of the destroyer spots we saw in this were like in, 
like that Jungle Boy destroyer spot. I mean, that that could have gone wrong yeah. just being uh, an inch off. Nobody could have foreseen, you know, the the, the type of landing he, he could have had. So it's, it, it's unfortunate, but I'm not going to say like the, the spot was like without thought, like it was it was there for a reason. Uh, Vic writes, the title match was an awesome bloody brawl that I liked more than their first match. The thing I hated about this and the TBS title match later was that they don't give the title celebrations time to breathe. There there was, and I guess it's kind of hard to do it with the Jade Cargill character, but they had a photo online after of her on the ramp after winning with her daughter. And I thought that would have been a cool thing to show on TV, even if it somewhat breaks with the character. It's like, okay, this is a cool moment that we have, and it's a it's a different um, depth of Jade Cargill we have not seen on TV. We know she has a daughter, John. Like they showed her in the crowd. So, well, it's like on Tuesday night. Like, would it have would it have killed NXT to show Rick Steiner getting in there with with his son? It's like I didn't even know he was there. His his dad was in the crowd and they put it up on YouTube of him getting into the ring, hugging his son and then barking to the crowd like it was a cool moment. It's like we do all this dancing around dog face gremlin references. It's like everyone's in on the stupid joke that he's just a big fan. Yeah, but it's like, man, this 30 seconds, uh, this could have ended the show. It was like it was a cool, real moment. And for whatever reason, it was like, no, we can't show this on TV. And I thought the same with the Jade Cargill thing with her daughter. It's like, okay, this isn't like exactly how we present Jade Cargill. uh, But so what? It's like it's a cool moment that registers with your audience that is going to, I think, make more fans of Jade Cargill as a result that, look, this is this mother who just won a title. This was a really important moment. I I do wonder if in AEW's case it's more just a you know a factor of of the lack of time that they seem to devote to just moments between the matches because they have so much to get to so much that they cram into the show and it continues to be an issue. Um, you know, does it come at the expense of having fewer featured spots on the show? And is that a worthwhile trade off? That I'm not really sure. But, you know, it, it's, it, it is an imperfection of, of, like, the current system and the current model that they have. Let's go to you. Uh, is it Brian up next? Yes. Okay, we got a Brian from New Jersey who says, That looked terrible for Phoenix. I hope he has a smooth road to recovery. I'm really tempered to the feel-good ending of a fun main event. Yes, it did. I love Paige versus Danielson. These two have de- developed a really good chemistry. And this one put Paige over really strong. Best thing on the show. The TBS title match showed the big gap in talent between both women. But I'm glad Ruby isn't getting lost in the shuffle. More good stuff from Punk and MJF. Big stage for 2.0. Okay, Muggen writes, As the adage goes in another combat sport, never leave it in the hands of the judges. Paige Danielson put on yet another barn burner title match. I haven't seen this much blood in a Danielson match since the one with Nigel McGuinness. The MJF Punk feud weaved in Wardlow expertly, and I bet this bre- I bet his breaking point is coming sooner instead of later. Jade and Ruby was what it needed to be. Jade still got a long way to go as a complete performer, but she's a great choice to be TBS champion. And seeing Phoenix's arm injury does overshadow the main event. Get well soon, Phoenix. That said, it was a very good match with Jurassic Express coming out on top. And finally, we got a Ben from Vancouver who says the show started off about as good as you could hope for. And I enjoyed the MJF Punk interaction, but the rest of the show wasn't great. I think tonight proved that Jade isn't ready. That match wasn't good. She cannot sell and is just too slow. I also think Ruby proved she is good. Not great. She couldn't carry Jade to a decent match, something Thunder Rosa did. The Jericho segment was also extremely lame and unnecessary. The only thing I wanted to see was him and Kingston going to war verbally, and we didn't get that. 
The main event was a mess and way too sloppy. I think both teams were off tonight, and there was too much silly stuff. Why did the lights go out? I hope Phoenix is okay, and it's time to move the Luchas to singles. Pillman is another guy who shouldn't be on Dynamite in singles matches. He just hasn't improved much. Another guy who can't seem to keep up. Oh, there's uh, the optimism. Uh, Well, thank you, everybody, for your feedback. And that is going to wrap up the show, uh, because... I think my voice is about to give out. So thank you to everybody for tuning in. We are back on Thursday. We will be live. 1 Eastern. YouTube.com slash post wrestling. We're still on that road to 10K. Yes, we are. We're we're going to get there, John. I have faith. So if you're going to pay attention to us, if you're going to watch tomorrow, join the chat at 1 o'clock. And even if you don't, watch afterwards. Give us a subscribe. Like it. Um, Follow us on... uh, Facebook, follow us on uh, 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 Tweet Talk, follow us on, um, you know, everything. Like, uh, just just, just give us a social value, you know, because we're desperate. Up that currency for us. Okay, we're going to go. Have a wonderful night, and we'll speak with you tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Signed, The Professionals. <laughs>